I thought everybody would, everyone would flock our doors. I had a master's degree and I really wanted to help people. And no one knew who I was and no one signed up for our services. And I had one client the first month I made $0 and I was working with one client would collect the money and then pay out 30 days later. So the guy paid, but I got paid out 30 days later. And then I saw online, hey, you could do boot camp classes and work with more people and help more people. So then I started a fat loss boot camp and we had 14 people and I just used the the gym's email list. I knew nothing about marketing, but clients got really good results and I poured into them and then it grew and then it grew. And then we worked up to 60 people before I opened my, my first gym. Just a passion for helping people and just kind of figuring it out as we went. No matter how good you are, if people don't know you, they can't work with you. And that was, a, that was definitely a big lesson getting started in the fitness industry. And now, as they say, the, the rest is history. Welcome to the Fitness Empire Podcast, where we show gym owners how to dominate their competition and build a massively profitable fitness business. Dustin and Matt collectively own 12 gyms and have a combined 30 years of experience in the fitness industry. They're here to help gym owners create an empire of impact and income. Hey, gym owners, welcome to another episode of the Fitness Empire Podcast. If this is your first time listening, I just want to let you know we are here to achieve a very important mission, and that is to help you guys, gym owners, to create an empire of impact and income. And that's what it's all about. That's why we started businesses that we did, right? Gyms, we want to impact our clients, our community, and then we want to make a great living and build generational wealth for our families. And so the hosts of this show are normally Matt Wilbur and myself, Dustin Bogle, but we're actually going to be doing an interview piece today. And before I dive into that, I want to share with you guys how you can work with us on a deeper level. Okay, we really see a need in the fitness industry. And so we are launching and we're super excited about it, a fitness empire mentorship that is going to be launching April 2023. So if you're listening to this, I want to point you to a website and that is yourfitnessempire.com. You can learn all about it. If it's something that you feel like you need, you need some mentorship, you need some guidance, you need some outside eyes that come in and look at your business. This is what we are going to be doing for the gym owners. And so that is something I want to call your guys' attention to. So that is that. That's our, our housekeeping to get things started. And so today we're going to be doing a very special deep dive look into the story that is behind the man himself, Matt Wilbur. So Matt, are you ready to pull back the curtain and, and dive into your story, man? Yeah, I, I love talking about myself. Uh, <laughs> everyone's favorite topic in the world is actually themselves, but I actually hate talking about myself because both of us are all about helping and serving other people. But I think it's important to, to really learn, obviously, who you're learning from and, and really understanding why you should follow that person. Because there's a lot of gurus in this world, right, that that claim a lot of things, but really both of us are in the trenches doing the day-to-day -day and doing exactly what uh, we hope to teach everybody else. So I'm um, excited to share my story and hopefully it inspires a few people today. Exactly. So if you guys remember back in the day in high school, if you saw the cool kids wearing FUBU, that stands for For You, By You. Well, we want to be for gym owners, by gym owners. I don't know what the acronym is for that, but that's what we're here to do. So Let's do this, Matt. So I am going to start with a sore subject for the fitness industry, and that is the 
black hole that we know as COVID. I definitely know what you have going on in your world. I definitely keep in touch with my friends and see what they're going through. But something that I wanted to start with, I think a lot of people were surprised to hear you admit, but I, I thought it was you know very noble of you, is that you said, hey guys, when COVID hit me, it actually stopped me from dreaming. And I thought that that is a good inside look for you to kind of share with our listeners, given that they are us gym owners. And that was a very dark stage for our fitness industry. So explain that. What do you mean by you stopped dreaming? Yeah, I think this is incredibly important because a lot of people won't admit it, right? But a lot of gyms right now are in a COVID fog and it's still hanging over their states and it's still affecting their ability to to grow their grow their gym. I went into survival mode, like every other gym probably went into survival mode. We we made massive financial commitments right before March 16th, which was the 15 days to uh slow the spread, so to speak. And uh we we bought three, we bought three gyms in January 2020. We, we built our HQ building, which is a $3 million building, uh, and opened it in December 2019. And, uh, you know, obviously, if you could pick the worst time to ever make a massive investment, it would be it would be at that time. But we were at an all time peak. Everything was going awesome. Pretty much everything we did was, was working really well. And then, you know, I felt in control. And as a business owner and just my personality type, like I seek control of whatever I am doing. And it was the first time in my life I felt like I was in zero control. Our governor could go on TV and say tomorrow it's different. And we had to change our business model 10 different times during COVID. And I remember um, at that time, we had an HR person on our team. And she said, the governor's coming on TV tomorrow. Should we be concerned? And I said, every time the governor comes on TV, we should be concerned because ultimately it's new rules, new policies. I went from having a 10-year vision and being crystal clear on what I wanted in my life to going, do I even want to be in this industry anymore? And a lot of that's you know, obviously was in a negative state. We were fighting every single day and, and humans aren't meant to be in fight or flight every single day, but every day was survival. Every day was let's make it till tomorrow. Every day was like, let's just make it to bed. Right. That's as good as it got. It was bad. Like every time we made a change, we would lose a hundred to 200 members. We went from having 5,500 members down to almost half of that over a 12 month period of time. And it was not a lack of trying. It was not a lack of effort. It wasn't a lack of us putting everything that we could. It was just the, the circumstances. And then ultimately, the futures created an in, in imagination and creativity. There was no imagination. There was no creativity. It was like, how do we just keep our doors open and, and keep serving our clients and not losing our team members? Because I was also at the peak of the great resignation where People are getting offered jobs and offered crazy salaries and just they didn't want to work. So we never ever had a problem hiring people before. We never had a problem with team turnover before. And then it was just kind of all hitting at one time. And that was about 12 months in. And then I started dreaming again. I gave myself permission to start dreaming again. I actually started 75 hard, which requires you to be walking outside. Well, not walking. I chose to walk a lot outside but an outside 45 minute workout. And I just started thinking about what do I want to commit myself to the rest of my life to what injustices do I want to fight? What impact do I want to want to have on the fitness industry? And then I just started getting crystal clear on what I wanted to accomplish. And that gave me my energy back. That gave me my passion back. That gave me my fight and drive back. 
that that was ultimately missing that had never happened to me ever uh, since opening my business. I was always motivated. I was always energized. I was always excited. And then I had to manufacture it for my team, even though, you know, mentally I was uh, not not in the greatest place of where I needed to be as a leader, which then when you're not in a good mental place as a leader, that is going to have a trickle down effect on the rest of the team. And then it's going to have a trickle down effect uh, to the clients. But once I got re-energized, our entire organization got re-energized again. And now we have a clear picture of where we want to go. Our purpose is clear. We're excited. Uh, and we're all rowing in that direction and, and things are good again. And a big thing that I'll probably talk about later is if the leader's not healthy mentally, and I'm not just talking about your physical state of do you got some weight to lose or any of that stuff. I'm talking about your mental state. What drives your state is your thoughts, your beliefs, and your feelings. And then your state drives your actions and your actions drive your outcomes. So if your thoughts and your feelings and your beliefs aren't where they need to be, those are going to negatively affect your actions, which then negatively affect your outcome. So one of the most important things is, is managing your state. And I got my state right. And then everything else is, is starting to fall in line again, which is which is awesome. Thank, thank you for sharing that, man. Thank you for being real. I think a lot of people tried to just like put on a face and, and say everything's all right, but underneath it wasn't. And I think that was not just even in our industry. I think just as a nation, honestly, a globe, Everyone's locked inside and you kind of got locked in upside with your demons, like that person that you kind of could get away from because you could go to work. You now were home with all day. That fridge that you can kind of hide from by staying busy, you are locked up with it all day. All those, you know, deep emotions and, and you know, insecurities you had to stop and face in the mirror every day. And a lot of people, I really think, you know, had some major mental health battles that they went through, business owners or not. And I hear more and more people choosing to work out for mental health reasons as well because of COVID. And so like to all the gym owners listening, don't forget that that's a massive part of what we do. You know, like the way somebody sees themselves physically often leads to their self-talk. Right. And so like there's a lot of mental benefits, you know, being in a community like we all felt what it's like to be isolated. There's humans are not built to be like that. That's why it's cruelty. That's why when you're uh, in trouble in prison. Now you're going to be put into isolation, right? Like you're going to now not even be around people. You're already in prison. Now you're going to be in, you know, isolation. So that that's, you know, prison. And so for us to have to go through that, that's why, you know, all those terrible things came out of it. So I love it. Now, you know, again, you're locked and loaded. You're, you're on purpose with your mission and where you want to go, your team's on board. So I, again, want to learn more about you, Matt, like what makes you tick? Why, what, are, what makes you so motivated? You've achieved so much. You have is it eight locations that you're operating now? We we are down to seven. We sold one of our locations. Seven off. locations. Uh, so you're, sell, you're running seven locations, and so like somebody to do that and to wake up and be motivated to achieve more. When most people would say enough, like you've achieved a lot, like be complacent, be happy. What makes that you know drive that growth chasing come out of you? Where where does that come from? I I've always innately had it. I've always known that I was destined to to do more than just be average. But one of the things that really makes me tick is I truly want to provide the very best for our clients, for our team, um, and really set an example for my family of what is possible. Um, I really got the bug like when I first opened my first location. Initially, I was like, man, if I could just make X, I'd be really happy. But I read a book. It was called The, the 10X Rule by Grant Cardone. 
And that really shifted my mindset of I was playing too small. And uh, we only get one one turn on this globe, one shot at, at living this life. And I want to make a massive impact. So getting crystal clear on what your purpose is, I, I think is really important. My purpose is to really try to transform the fitness industry through leadership. And I want to set an example for the, the entire industry. And the reason why, you know, really the fitness empire mindset and why I want to grow a fitness empire, I won't lie, like me publicly stating that I want to grow a fitness empire, like can turn a lot of people off, like it can turn your clients off. But when gym owners do well, we change communities and we change lives. So by us wanting to create a fitness empire, we are changing people's lives by staying small. That means that we're not helping as many people as we possibly could be helping, right? So for me, I want to have the biggest impact on this industry and, and really fight a lot of the injustices that I see inside of this industry, which is why we're starting a mentorship program and offer services that we provide because in total, this industry is failing. It's failing the students. It's failing the coaches failing the business owners and it's failing the clients, right? And I want to make a massive difference on that. I know you want to make a massive difference on that. So that's what drives me every single day is, is the core purpose of our company now is to transform the fitness industry through leadership. But it also takes courage to do those things. We're doing a lot of big things, a lot of exciting things, and it takes a lot of courage to do that. But at the heart of leadership is having the courage to do what you feel called to do and uh, that gets me excited. And the last part of it is I heard someone say this is it's never about you. It never is. And it never will be. When you make it about other people, that will keep you motivated. If you just make it about yourself and yourself winning, eventually you you will have enough and you will tap out and you will stop doing the the work required to to keep growing. And then I've always just had a growth mindset. I've always had a growth mindset. I remember in, in elementary school, I read uh they had a reading contest. So you you would read books and then you would you would get points for taking tests to do that. And I uh I got the most amount of points in in the school to do that. But that like started my fascination with reading mm -hmm. and having a growth mindset and reading from mentors and being around other big players in the fitness space and the personal development space that have really drove me to to want to be my very best. And, and one day I hope to look back and say that I was able to make a at least a small dent on this industry and, and make a massive impact on a lot of people's lives. Love it. And and I mean that's an awesome way of looking at things. And I and I completely agree with you. Like there's so many people that get really burned out, I think, because they, you know, forget their why. You know, they say when you lose your your way, you, you lost your why. And so I know that for you to do this over a decade, dude, like you have figured out a way to maintain, you know, not only motivation, but showing up for your team, showing up for your business, showing up for your clients over an extended period of time, which I think is a skill and an art. And that is something that I definitely want to dig into. So like you have this big, great purpose, this great big mission that you want to, you know, attack. But like, how do you show up for that daily and have the energy and the excitement and the enthusiasm to then push it downward to your, your team? What keeps you from burning out? Yeah, I, during COVID, I, I did burn out because I lost focus on my purpose, right? I started making it about how things were affecting me 
versus how do I show up every day and, and serve others? So if you can have a purpose that is outside of yourself, that is about others, you will have eternal energy and motivation. Now, I'm not saying every day is a, is a level 10 excitement, right? But if you make it about serving other people and being intentional about making it about others and helping others, um, you will have that external motivation that you need on a daily basis. The second it becomes just about you and you winning, you will burn out very, very quickly and it will no longer be be worth it, right? So a lot of it though is intentionality, being intentional every single day about how do I want to show up for others? Yes. And if you can do that, like everyone who's ever won at a high level has that in them, where it's the intentionality of how do I want to show up and serve other people yeah. uh, and if you can do that you won't burn out but the minute you start doing that the costs will start to add up and you will start to burn out and you will start to tap out because i've been in both realms i've been in the the realms of making it about me and how things are affecting me and it's not a good place to be but on the other side of it when you make it about other people and serving other people like right now we're making a lot of transitions in our gyms and the whole goal is to help our clients win even more and help our team members win even more. Um, if it was just about me and 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 helping me win, like I wouldn't be making the changes that I'm making because right now they're they're painful. There's definitely temporary pain to make the changes that we're making, but I know what the purpose is, which is to serve our clients at a higher level and provide opportunities to our team that we currently can't offer in our current model. But again, if it was about me, burnout would happen massively, but I'm clear on my purpose. I'm clear on why I'm doing what I'm doing and I'm making it about others, which then I'll never burn out unless that, that, you know, pendulum swings back the other way, which my goal is to be intentional. So it never swings back the other way. Yes. All right. Great takeaway. Again, gym owners listen, you know, carefully because a gold medalist visualizes winning the gold. They intend to win it. Michael Jordan intended to win championships. Like anybody that has created something, it started with their intention of how they're going to show up, you know, on that day. So I love that because that's a very simple, practical thing. How am I going to show up to this team meeting? How am I going to show up today for my clients? And so know that they are watching you and reading on you and what your body language is and the words you use and the, and the energy you bring into the room. So I love that, you know, that's that switch was flipped. So you talked about your guys's model and that's something I wanted to dive into. Your brand is transform seven locations servicing uh, West Michigan. So what is it that makes your brand unique that allowed you to amass up to, you know, at one point, 5,500 clients, you know, across all your locations? That's incredible. And what makes it unique compared to what somebody might find at another boot camp or gym down the road? 100%. So when we first started, I didn't know this uniquely when we first started, but the three pillars of our business have always been results, relationships, and community. So I was always focused on wanting to get clients results and willing to do whatever we could to get them results. But I quickly learned what got them to stay was that the relationships and the community that we built inside of our gym, which a lot of people don't spend a lot of time on doing that. Because the, the biggest thing is, what's the outcome that we want for our clients and the feelings that we want to produce? Most people's thoughts and feelings around gyms are not good. 80% of the population doesn't have a gym membership and 67% that do don't come, right? And that's because their states around gyms is not bad. So our job is to change their state. So if every time you walk into our gym, we make you feel good, 
Are you going to keep coming back? Absolutely. If every time you walk into our gym and you don't feel good, or we don't try to influence your state, what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what you're believing around the gym, then you're not going to come back, right? There, there's no uh, amount of certain type of workouts or accountability or whatever you can structure that if people have massively negative states when it comes to your gym, you're, you're not going to be able to help them be consistent with the things that they need to be consistent with, right? But this year, we really made a big transition of what are our three unique characteristics in our gym? One is just exceptional customer experience. So our entire team focusing on the customer experience. If you look at any big brand that is like beloved and has raving fans, at the heart of it is customer experience. At the heart, like why do people rave about uh, Disney? Customer experience. They're obsessed about the customer experience. Why do people love Chick-fil-A, not McDonald's or Burger King? And it's not because they have the world's greatest chicken sandwich. It's because they have amazing customer experience that makes them stand out. So at the heart is how do we create an exceptional customer experience? And we're able to deliver that every single time that a client walks through the door, no matter what coach that they're going to be working with with that day. Right. So that that's number one, custom fitness solution. Um, I really believe, you know, the, the future of fitness is being able to customize uh, what the client actually needs. Ultimately, group fitness has become a big red ocean where everybody kind of looks the same, provides the same, and it's pretty much one size fits all. And, and hopefully it works for you. One size fits all workouts, one size fits all nutrition, one size fits all accountability. If there is any of that, where our unique is we're going to customize the entire experience from you, from your fitness program to your nutrition program to your accountability program and provide you exactly what you need, which then leads into our third unique, which is just results. Everyone says results, right? But over the last decade, we've had 300 clients lose 50 pounds or more. There, there has to be a focus on results, but it's not just what's the fitness program, what's the nutrition program. It's also what's the mindset and your coach is equipped to work with clients with their mindset because we really were trying to change their behavior and uh, really change their states around what we're asking them to do. Because most people's states, again, their thoughts, their beliefs, and their feelings around what we're asking them to do is negative. Uh, when we think about workouts, negative. When we think about nutrition, negative. When we think about get more sleep, negative. We need to be able to, to shape and influence the thoughts and the beliefs and the feelings that clients have around the activities that we want them to do. And that's really what defines a great coach. Do you have the ability to do that? But no one's coaching it. No one's teaching it. No one's, they think that their job is just to run a workout. And that's only a small fraction of the job. So on top of those, those three uniques, I know you do it too. It's, we pour so much education and teaching yes. into our team that they actually know what their real job is. It's not to deliver uh, a workout. It's to deliver an outcome and a feeling um, and be able to produce that every single time a client walks in so that they feel good and they keep coming back, right? So that's kind of the, the big uniques around our gyms. And I really believe if you were to go to any gym that is doing it at a high level, they have a very similar mentality when it comes to customer experience and how we want to make clients feel when they walk through our doors. Love it. All right. That is awesome, man. So yes, definitely guys, you know, if you want to see this amazing brand, go and follow some of Matt Wilber's location. Again, it's called Transform and, you know, see the amazing things they're doing. And I, I see it and I can attest to it. I see the nonstop 
transformation photos and not just transformation photos of 10 or 20 pounds, the 50 pounds lost, the 100 pounds lost. So obviously you have it, uh, you know, down to a system, which is phenomenal. But I want to kind of go the other way with it, which is we're talking about winning. Let's talk about the challenges of running seven locations. Most gym owners are trying to get their head wrapped around running one. So like their minds are blowing, like the mind blowing emoji, like how the heck are you running seven? And so I wanted to ask you, is what do you feel is the biggest challenges of running seven locations? Because I'm sure there's multiple, but just share a few that, you know, you kind of face. The, the hardest thing of obviously going from one to multiple is when you first have your one location, like you can go in and do all the direct work that, that is needed inside of that business. If a coach were to like leave or something, you jump in and run sessions. If you need to answer the phone, you can answer the phone. If you need to answer the emails, you can do that. You can do, you can fill any gap inside of your business. And then you have the ultimate influence on your clients. You have the ultimate influence on your team. And you can just pretty much you have relationship capital and influence on everybody. As you open more locations, your influence and relationship capital with everybody involved starts to go down and starts to go down with your members. It starts to go down with your team. So you have to start getting really strategic about how do you utilize your influence to have the greatest impact on, on your team and your clients. And now the, the success of your business goes from, you know, it's pretty much you can drive the ship. Now the success of your business is really dependent on the leaders running your locations. And that can really make or break the culture inside of those locations. And that can make or break your, your business. So the hardest thing for us has always been cultivating leaders and then being able to, to maintain those leaders to continue to cultivate great cultures. So we've had some locations that have just had home run uh, leaders inside of the locations and they they grow and not a whole lot of issues. And then we've made some bad decisions on promoting uh, people to a leadership position that they were a great coach, but they're not a great leader yet. And then, you know, the culture starts to deteriorate and you start dealing with a lot of people problems, a lot of people issues. Uh, so that's the hardest one is honestly, you know, growing. It's not just growing leaders, but it's it's being able to then put them in place to be able to to run the locations with, I don't want to say minimal support, but being able to provide them the support that they need, but enough that you can, they don't need handheld every single day to, to run those locations. Right. So I've luckily been able to be hands-off with growing our locations at the peak of COVID. We had four locations doing a million dollars or more, and I never stepped foot in them. And I don't want to say that as like, Hey, you should never step foot in your locations. But again, my, my job is to be the CEO of the business, not the not the operator of the business, right? So being able to to focus on the big picture while our leaders run the day to day operations of the location, that's how you grow a fitness empire. But it's it's definitely challenging. It's always the hardest part for me is always the people management side of things, the ebbs and flows of personalities and uh, the personalities of team and clients. Yes. Right. Um, so that's the hardest mental part of it. I've gotten a lot better with it. I've learned to accept some of it is just it is what it is. There is going to be ebbs and flows. There are going to be seasons inside of the business. And there's a lot of things that you can do to prevent it. But some of it is not preventable. And you just need to then focus on what's the solution and what are we going to do next? Um, and just know that it's part of the game. Um, for the most part in this industry, every two to three years, you're going to have a turnover of 
a location. So things are great. Things are amazing. Things are rocking. It's the strongest team we've ever had. And then within six to nine months, you could be having a completely new team. And uh, that is, man, that is a mental drain, especially if you're trying to control it and you think you can control it. But some of that stuff is inevitable and it just happens. I got to point out a couple of things from that. Number one, you empowered people, which I love because you're giving them the trust to to run the location. I think that's the thing a lot of gym owners have a hard time. It's like, do all right, I've trained them up and now I go away and they're like, but I'll, I'll be here tomorrow morning just to make sure everything's good. I'll come back in the evening. And like, you got to give them space to grow. And honestly, there's times where you probably have seen this, like you, you can see the car wrecks coming and, and you know as well, that it also needs to happen so that it teaches that leader a lesson. Like you almost want to let them touch the fire. You can warn and warn, don't do it, don't do it. And like, but sometimes you know that they need to go through a challenge to grow as a leader. And what I like that you pointed out was that uh, the leadership is a journey. They might not be a leader that is ready to run a location yet. Like they, in their journey might be a toddler. They might be just learning about leadership or how to manage a team. And so it's, I think, picking the right person and, the, and then the timing, like, are they developed yet as a leader to take on this, you know, pressure? Like, you know, that it is, there are going to be stresses and there's going to be human uh, personalities involved. And like, are they ready? Are they the right person? Do they have that capacity? And are they at the right stage in their leadership journey to step into it? Because you give this much responsibility to just somebody you met three months ago, and that's a car wreck waiting to happen. So you got to definitely make sure that it goes back to you being intentional, like pick the person that you can see doing it and intentionally start developing them as a leader and giving them a little bit more responsibility and empowering them. And, you know, it also gives somebody the opportunity to make a career. Cause I think there's a lot of people that would love to make a good living and make a career in fitness, but they are forced out of it because they can't find something that is full-time or they can't find a leadership position and so they jump into real estate or into physical therapy or, you know, trying to run an ad agency or something, but they don't love it. They're, they're just trying to find, you know, something to, to make a career out of where if more gym owners like yours offered full time opportunities with upward mo- mobility, they would stay locked in for, for years to come because they want to be in this industry. Like that's what they chose to get into. But a lot of times they have to leap because there's nothing available for them. So Again, just and then they, just even being able to attract talent. I know one of the biggest struggles for most gyms is finding great people. And I always say, what do you offer? Like, where's the opportunity? What's the purpose? What's the calling? Most people just offer a job, right? And you're not going to attract, you know, high level people there. But I just want to hit on a few things that, that you talked about that that's important is you can't teach experience. There's just some stuff that you have to learn through experience. And and I believe like a big teacher is tripping over the truth. So maybe you equipped your team, you taught them how to handle things. And then they're like, maybe they didn't think it was that important. And they have to learn on their own why why it's important. Like, oh, I should have listened to what what you said. Right. But sometimes you just have to figure that out on your own. Um, Sometimes there's there's humble pie and they go, you know what? You were right. I should have done what you told me to do. But if we actually look back at our own leadership journey, how many mistakes do, did we make and how many mistakes do we still make? And the only reason we learned those was through experience. But sometimes we're more forgiving of ourselves because we're the we're the boss and no one can fire us, right? Or get mad at us in, in that sense. But, but ultimately we made a ton of mistakes too. So you do have to give your team grace 
to be able to make those mistakes. But the big thing is, do they learn from those mistakes? The, the facility leaders that are able to learn from the mistakes or the leaders in your locations or managers, like they do a great job. But the ones that don't learn from their mistakes and they continue to repeat the same mistakes, they're probably just not cut out to, to be leaders. Yes, love it. All right. Well, Matt, I want to press on here to another question for you. And so there's a lot of things you've done. I love that you always, one of the things I regret that you do well is I've never tracked like the impact and the things that we've done. And you do an amazing job of that. You tracked everything. And so I would even tell if somebody's thinking of starting a gym or they're new to a gym, start that now because it is really cool customer success data and then like company success data. So, you know, like McDonald's is known for like 1 billion, you know, people serve not customer success in our industry. We're like, no, you're making people overweight, but we can have our version of that. Um, you know, another example I'll give is uh, I'm a big fan of Instacart. And every time I log in, they tell me how many hours I save not having to go to the grocery store by hiring an Instacarter to do my grocery shopping. So, you know, I log in, it says 4,000 hours saved. That's kind of a metric that they, you know, use. So you've done a lot of cool things. And what, again, I really love about it is you track. So what are some cool accomplishments that you can share uh, with the listeners that you've accomplished in business that you're just really proud of? Yeah, I, I really believe like if it's important, you should be tracking it, right? So I always said our, you know, results, relationships and community. And my first goal, um, when we first helped our first client lose 50 pounds or more, we, we, we gave them a poster. And it was amazing when we gave that person a poster, people would come out, I want a poster and I want a poster and I want a poster because what gets recognized gets repeated, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, all right, we're really onto something. And at one point I was like, my goal is that inside of our gym, and at that time, the gym was a lot smaller, but I was like, I want a poster. I want the posters to fill up every single wall that we have inside of our location. And uh, we've now helped over 300 clients lose 50 pounds or more. We've had 14 clients lose over 100 pounds. Uh, two of them very close. One lost 200 pounds. And we had a, another person lose half their body weight, which is 180 pounds. So we've been able to have a lot of success on that front. And then, you know, our gyms, you know, at the, the peak of COVID, we had four gyms doing over a million, million dollars. Um, our highest EFT was 144,000 at one of our locations, uh, which, you know, obviously is, is insane. I think that location, like uh, 1,100 members at the time, and it was just, you know, jam-packed jam with people. Um, so the, the results have been awesome. And, and when we talk about money, just so we're clear with the money thing, we we've been able to make money because of our intent is to help and serve people. Um, money is, is an exchange of value, nothing more, nothing less. So the more value you add to people's lives, the more money uh, you will make. And, and ultimately, if you are a gym owner and you're making money, it means that you're changing and impacting uh, people's lives. So I don't want you guys to get it twisted. If you ever go to uh, trainings and things that we do, you will virtually never hear us talk about money. You will hear about all the other things that eventually lead to money, which is changing, impacting lives. So, um, and then, you know, one of the biggest things is that I'm proud of is we started a nonprofit charity called the big give, and we've been able to raise and donate over a million pounds and help thousands of kids right here in West Michigan have Christmas that they would normally not have. And uh, I'm always a big proponent of being able to do the charity side of things. Like as local business owners, I believe we have a duty and an obligation to serve the communities that, you know, ultimately 
pay our bills, give us a living and, and, and give us a purpose. So those are some of the biggest accomplishments that I've had in business uh, so far. That's awesome. So guys, you can see if you spend time around Matt, you're going to go to big places. Um, you know, like they say, you know, you are the sum of the five people you hang out with. Well, you should definitely spend some time with this guy because obviously he's taking his locations to, I believe, industry record setting numbers. I don't know anybody else in our industry that's had over 1100. Again, boutique style training, maybe big box gyms. Yes, of course. But in our you know mindset of where we're thinking, you know, small boutique gyms, I don't know anybody else that's had more than that. So I'm pretty sure that's the record. So, you know, would, would you guys like that too? like to have those record numbers, those record numbers of clients impacted the EFT achievement, but then also to have the, the funds and the resources to go and give back to your community in a big way? Because I think we've all done the, you know, throw a box up at the front and collect some blankets, but you never feel like you're really doing a whole lot when you get 10 whole blankets. So like to, to do a massive thing, especially again for kids, our future generations, um, I think that that's powerful, man. So thank you for everything you do, because that is awesome. Now, let's let's help these guys. Let's help these gym owners to grow. Being a guy that's had multiple locations and being in the business over 10 years as a gym owner, longer, you know, in the profession, what are three golden nuggets? Like, give me your best stuff for a gym owner to help them grow their business that they can take action on, they write it down, and they can meet with their team and get this thing going. Yeah, this this week, I actually... I just did a presentation and it was called the only thing that matters. And really the only thing that matters is your state. So we're, we're really in the state change business. If we think about it again, your thoughts, your beliefs, your feelings, create your state, your state drives your actions, your actions drive your outcomes. So if you have the ability to influence uh, and manage people's states, you have the ability to get any outcome that you want in life. So how often are we thinking about how are we influencing thoughts and beliefs and feelings uh, of our clients? But it actually all starts with you and you being healthy first. Like, are you in a healthy state? What is your current state right now thinking about your business? Is, is it currently like, no matter what I do, like we don't get leads and people don't come in and uh, I can't hire good people. Think about that state. What actions is that going to elicit? That's not going to be good, right? So it starts with getting your state right. If your state's right, you can then obviously do what you need to do inside of your business. So the, the state of your business starts with you. That goes down into your team. And then that goes down into your clients, which then affects the the, the outcomes that you're going to get inside of your business. So that's the first thing is know that pretty much everything in your business breaks down to your state. So if you're struggling to generate leads, what is your state around generating leads? It's probably negative. Right. Yeah. Everyone who ever struggles to be consistent. So an exercise that I did with the group was I want you to think about one thing that you are struggling right now inside of your life or your business or one thing that you're struggling to be consistent with that is important to you. And then we did an exercise. We looked at first step is become aware. So we looked at what's your story stories around this? What what are your thoughts and beliefs around the, these things? Right. And, and ultimately, it's always negative. It is always negative, which then leads to negative actions, which then you get negative outcomes. So in order to get the positive outcome you want, we need to change our state around that activity, right? So that's where it all starts. Everything is state management inside of your life. You want a healthy relationship? State management. You want a healthy business? State management. You want healthy financials, like your, your relationship with money, your relationship with food? 
what is your state around that? And then learn to influence and control and manage that is massively important. Managers, great managers, manage team members' states, which is the hardest thing to do because you have to be super consistent with it. Great leaders know how, and I always say self-awareness is really how do you influence other people's states? And then how does other people influence your state? That is really my definition of self-awareness when you when you really break it down. But just knowing that is massively important. I could give a two-hour lecture on this, but I'm going to move on. The next thing is when you guys are creating systems, everyone creates systems incorrectly. Um, a lot of people think uh, systems are just designed to automate tasks. What you want is outcome and feeling. So when you create a system, what you want to think is what is the outcome that is desired and then what is the feeling that I want to create, which is really the state that I want to put somebody in when they go through that action. That is how you should create your systems and then reverse engineer that. So in order to get this outcome and in order to create this feeling, what must I do? And then go, go backwards and then create the system. It's not just a series of tasks. It's not just check the box. So many businesses and so many teams are check the box businesses. That is not how you get to having raving fans in, in an amazing business. You get an amazing business by going, what's the outcome and what's the feeling that I want to produce? And then creating the systems to be able to produce that on a regular basis. For example, one of our core values at our gyms is every day is game day. Like that is a state. That's a mentality. Every day is game day. That means every day we are going to bring the fire every single day. If you're doing boutique fitness, like if you're doing boot camp style, large group training, pretty much 80% of winning is high energy sessions that, that are coached well, that make people feel good. If you can do that every single day, you will blow up your gym, plain and simple, right? And then the last piece of advice is making sure you guys are playing the infinite game. We're in the relationship business. If you are a local gym, your reputation is the most important thing. And you can ruin it with one action. You can ruin it with one email. You can ruin it with one post. You can ruin it with one client interaction um, by not playing the, the infinite game. So when you're making decisions, always look through the lens of how do I make it a win, win, win? How do I make it a win for the business? But how do I make it a win for the clients? How do I make it a win for my team? If you can look through the lens of win, win, win in everything that you do, you will be playing the infinite game. But ultimately, if you're making decisions where only the business wins, which so many people do, it's just very short-sighted, transactional, eventually you will ruin your reputation. And there's no amount of marketing, no amount of anything you can do to, to repair that. So start with the end in mind, plan on being in, in business for the next 20 years and make decisions based on being in business for the next 20 years. And you'll make a lot better decisions in your business. So those would be the top three things for, for gyms. Hey guys, it's Dustin with the Fitness Empire, and I want to share with you an exciting opportunity. All right, myself and Matt Wilbur, we are putting together a Fitness Empire mentorship. So what is this exactly? This is for gym owners who want guidance, coaching, and mentorship to get them to the next level of business growth, all right? Now, this is only for people who are actually interested in creating transformation in their clients and in their community, okay? If you're just sales driven and marketing driven, we are not about that. We do give you strategies and tactics, but we want to solve the deep rooted issues within every fitness business that will lead it to be a generational business, meaning it'll be around for decades to come. So if that sounds like something you're interested in, then I wanna encourage you to join the Fitness Empire 
mentorship. And so what you want to do is you want to go to yourfitnessempire.com, read all about the mentorship. And if it sounds like something that speaks to you, then I encourage you to sign up because enrollment is open now. This is not something that we are actively allowing enrollment all year round. We have specific periods where you can join the program. So if that is something that you want to join because you need that help you want to learn from people who have 30 years of combined experience in over a dozen operating gyms then i want to encourage you to come in and work with us so go to that link yourfitnessempire.com and check out to learn more about the program let's get back to the podcast i love it and what's funny is all three of them were mindset shifts they weren't like a new ad to run next week they weren't a better way to close deals they are all affecting the leaders thinking who will then change the team's thinking what will then lead to the business being healthier. So yes, that's the best way, you know, to coach change is mindset. And we should take the same approach when we're coaching our clients. Cause like you said, we can write the macros or we can think about the programming, but are you changing how that person is thinking so that you can create long-term change? Uh, I love that. And I know you do a lot of studying on behavior change. So I know that's also intentional. And so everything's coming around here, right? Um, so we're going to talk about mistakes now, mistakes that you've made uh, as a gym owner. We've all made countless, right? We, we, then like, I, I really like how you said it, that, that is, um, you know, really a learning lesson and that it's experience doing what it's meant to do and teach you. And you can't teach that to somebody. They just have to go through that experience. So uh, if you could share a few mistakes you see gym owners make that maybe you did make, but as an outsider looking at them and they're, and you're, you know, kind of being outside eyes on their business, things that, you know, like, man, if they only change this, their business will go to the next level. You kind of gave a few of those mindset hacks, but is there anything else that comes to mind that can help a gym owner kind of get unstuck and grow their business? I heard a super successful person say one, one time, he said 80% of success is who you will at through your door, which means who you hire. So if you want your product is your people, your, your, your team is, is the ones influencing people's states on a regular basis, right? They're the ones making people feel a, a certain way. So if we're trying to make people feel a certain way, you want to hire people that make people feel good, not just can they do the job. And, and so often we're employing people that we think can do the job. Maybe they have the background or the experience or the certification that we're looking for but you want to hire the right person. So really get an avatar of who you want to hire and then really look for reasons not to hire that person. Oftentimes we're in such a rush to fill a position that we're finding all the reasons to hire somebody and we're overlooking the red flags, but it's the red flags that will crush your culture the fastest and put your entire business in a negative state um, that is really hard to, to overcome. So Hiring is absolutely critical. Spending the time and the energy to do it correctly and do it the right way. Um, yes, it can be painful. Yes, you might have a billion other things to do. But I'm telling you, look, go through the pain of hiring correctly or you will go through a lot more pain hiring incorrectly. Um, I've seen it. I've done it. You know, we still make some mistakes sometimes because we overlook a few things. But now it's really what's the red flags and when we see those red flags, have the courage to listen and not hire that person. Uh, massively important. Uh, the, the next thing is really, again, learning the, the game of, of leadership and, and managing people. 
A lot of people are bad leaders and bad managers that put people in negative states all day long by their actions. They don't understand. They're not self-aware of how they're influencing others around them. And John Maxwell famously said, leadership is influence, but what are we influencing? We're influencing states. So really starting to learn, how are you influencing states uh, of the people that are around you in a positive nature? So really becoming a student of the game of leadership, student of the game of management, but quickly learning and transitioning. Number three is transitioning to, to becoming the CEO. And part of that is working in your zone of genius where you provide the most amount of value to your organization that affects the, the organization most positively. And honestly, it's it's limiting yourself from an exposure standpoint to negatively affecting states. So what I'm really good at doing is I'm really good at educating. I'm really good at teaching. I'm good at motivating. And I'm really good at like selling the dream, the vision of our company, right? I am not a good manager. I am not good if you put me in five back-to-back-to-back-to-back meetings. Eventually, the negatives of my personality will start to come up. So I'm a on the John Maxwell disc, I'm considered a, a DC challenger. Like I challenge people. I am not good to be in a meeting with my entire team. Like it's just not going to be good because I will eventually say or do something. Like we're just talking about a regular meeting, not like, hey, pump everybody up and teach and educate. I will eventually put people in negative states, which then they leave the meeting in a negative state. And now their thoughts, their beliefs and the feelings about me are negative, which then means their thoughts, beliefs and feelings about our company are negative. And you can imagine you do that enough times how that, you know, starts to erode uh, the product that we provide at, at bootcamp. So I've had to learn to protect our organization by only trying to position myself in the spots that I can shine and positively influence my team and not be put in positions where I can negatively influence my team. And it's taken a long time to do that. And then a big part of being the CEO of your company, which a lot of people, again, they don't transition to wanting to be the CEO, but they realize that you're only going to have so much impact being a day-to-day coach in the trenches. If you want to have a bigger impact, you need to make that transition to being the CEO. And really, if you look at what most CEOs do, motivate, delegate, and sell. And then I added a little caveat to that and recruit, like bring on the best talent. Um, Because when you bring on the best talent, it's going to free you up to be able to motivate, delegate, and sell. When you don't bring on the best talent, then you are going to not be motivating, delegating, and selling. You're going to be putting out fires, uh, which is no fun to be doing. So those would be the big three common mistakes that if I could give everybody advice, if there's things that you could learn and, and, and factory install into you on day one, which is impossible, those would be the big three. I love it. Those are awesome. And I, I totally got to you know point out that it's funny that those are the things I find myself doing the most as well. And I questioned, I was wondering, I was like, should I still be interviewing and you know looking for talent? Like I've been doing this long enough. Should I just delegate this out? And every time I did, I was not happy with the results. And one of the things that I know I have is I've become a people reader 2000 from hiring over the years, probably hundreds of people by now. Not that I make a quick judgment and I judge people, but I have a pretty good instinct. And then I start finding clues faster than somebody else. So I feel like until you get to like, you're so big, you've got to hire a recruiter and they have the skills of hiring. This is really something hard to delegate. And I do think you should protect because you, this is you having quality control. Like this is your iPhone 14 is your new hire. Like you're the new product you're putting out to the world. 
is the person you're bringing into a person-to-person service-based business. So how, you know, how, how much of a control freak do you want to be about that person that everyone will be encountering? I think that, that that's critical that you're pointing that out. And, you know, people- Yeah, think- and, it, and if you're not doing the hiring note, like you, you have to, so my wife actually does the hiring and she's like, she's got a radar, like, yeah. like she's a protector, protector of the culture. So we used to have an HR manager that we left up the hiring to, and our culture started going like downhill because um, she was overlooking a lot of bad character traits in, in a lot of people. And we just, you know, for a while, especially when I was kind of tapping out a little bit, it was like, I just stopped caring as much about the the front end. Um, and it was just like, we need to get people in, right? Versus, you know, part of your job is to protect your culture. And the way you protect your culture is by not letting people that can come in and destroy your culture. Mm. And then if they show signs that they have the ability to getting them out quickly before they actually come in and, and, and nice. wreak havoc and damage. Love it. All right. So Matt, we're going to go take a, a walk down memory lane and just kind of go through your upbringing. We talked a lot about your present life, but I think it's good to look back at how somebody came to be who they are and look at their origin story. So I know I've name dropped Michigan, but where specifically were you born in Michigan? Yep. Grand Haven, Michigan, born and raised, and I still haven't left. <laughs> so uh, we're we're on the west side of Michigan. So right on Lake Michigan is uh, where we live. Okay. And just so the listeners know, I have informed Matt, if he just starts driving south, he will hit warmer areas, but he's just too uh, stubborn. That's where he, he knows he's got to make his impact. So uh, I, I totally applaud him for that because I couldn't do the reverse. I couldn't drive north and help people there. I need to be in warm environments. So <laughs> we need uh, to my wife if my wife has her way, we might have to make some compromise. But there you go. I love it. Now, this daily living, just like what were you doing as a kid? What was just like a day in the life of Matt Wilbur, the kid? Yeah, anytime I could play sports, I would play sports. So we pro- we played pretty much any sport under the sun, but pretty much, you know, school was great because you had recess and you got to go play sports and when school was done, you got to go play sports. So my entire life was always sports. And then, you know, at night we'd play sports and just always stay busy year round doing that. So like if you were to, to look at it, you'd see somebody that went to school, uh, but I lived to play sports. I didn't really care about school uh, growing up. So I, I started caring about school when I went to college, but I didn't care about it when I was in high school or middle school. Yeah. I just cared about being able to play some sports. All right. That sounds like my son right now. He's totally obsessed with all kinds of sports. So, yeah. And then was there any big moments that like you, you look back and you're like, wow, that changed the trajectory of my life because of that moment or that person or that influence, it pushed me down this path. And who knows what would have happened if that didn't happen? Uh, is there anything like that that come to mind? Yeah. I mean, the the biggest thing for me was I grew up an overweight kid. I'd probably say an obese kid. And that really, really massively affected uh, my mental state, made me insecure, you know, didn't want to take your shirt off in front of anybody. I still don't like to take my shirt off. Like I could have, I can be, I've been as low as 5% body fat and I still don't want to uh, take my shirt off in front of somebody. Um, But that that insecurity and, and all the, all the pain and suffering that I had as an overweight kid, obviously as an overweight kid, you get picked on, you get teased, uh, girls don't like you, you know, all that stuff. Right. Uh, but when I was in, I got my first gym membership when I was 13 and that kind of 
got me addicted to, to working out. I love the feeling of working out. I already played sports, but I never lifted weights. And but I was still overweight. So there's a lot of insecurity going into the gym as a as an overweight kid. And then when I was my freshman year of high school, I lost weight. It was the first time I was a normal weight kid in my entire life. And just the level of self-confidence that that gave me made me obsessed with learning everything I could about fitness, nutrition, behavior change. And then ultimately that drove me to go get my bachelor's degree in exercise science and then eventually my master's degree in in exercise physiology. Um, But if it wasn't for being that overweight kid, I never, I want to be who I am today. Um, Our programs have helped clients lose over a a million pounds uh, with our nutrition system. That doesn't happen if I'm not that kid. I know what it feels like. I know what my clients feel like. I know what it's like to step in their, their shoes. I know what it's like to not want to look at myself in the mirror. I know what it's like to be embarrassed. know what it's like to be disgusted. But I also know the other side of it too and what it takes. Uh, so I have the empathetic side of it, but then I also have the tools to be able to do that. But that never would have happened if I wasn't uh, that overweight kid. And then the other thing that had a massive trajectory in my life is is books. I didn't have the the greatest family life growing up. I didn't have role models and mentors in in my household or or people. The greatest mentors I had growing up were coaches um, to an extent, but then it was books. Uh, and if it wasn't for books, I have no idea where I'd be because it's the books that shifted my state. It's the books that shifted my thoughts, my beliefs, and my feelings of what are possible in this world if, if you put in the work. So I had great mentors growing up at 15 to 20 bucks a piece uh, via a book. I always say people put their best work in a book. Everybody does. Everyone like your your book's releasing soon. How much energy and time did you put into that book? And you can buy it for, you know, for 20 bucks. It's just insane. But uh, so books had a a massive impact impact in my life. So being overweight and then reading from a a young age, um, I have no idea where I'd be today if those two things didn't happen to me. And it's a good reminder to everybody that has some sort of trauma in in their history, which everyone does. But remember that your trauma leads to your triumph. And that you you are meant to have a connection to that into helping other people and, and guiding them. And that's what makes a great mentor is like, I've walked this path, follow my breadcrumbs. I can show you step by step what I did. And that way they can get to where you got faster. Right. And that's what we pay for when we do hire a mentor speed. So I love that. You know, again, you're pointing that out to everybody. Now, in terms of like lessons, those are things that influenced you. Is there any lessons that you think back to that pops up in your mind today and that you st- still rings true today and that you pass this message on to other people? Well, a big lesson I actually learned was from my wrestling coach. And he always instilled that on us, leave things better than how you found it. Um, so matter, no matter what, what it is, leave it better than how you found it. So if you go into a, a dirty room, like clean it up, leave it better than how you found it you know, people that are in your life, leave them better than than how you found them. If you could just go around life, just leaving everything better than how you found it, you will live a, a great life. Unfortunately, a lot of people go through life making things worse than how they found it, or trying to take advantage of every single scenario, right? The other thing that I think is really important is, is your past doesn't need to be your future. There's a lot of negative, painful things that happened in my childhood. And I've decided I'm going to do the exact opposite of them. 
right? So for example, my dad is an alcoholic and I never saw my dad growing up. He'd be gone for four to six, four to six months at a time. I don't drink because my dad was an alcoholic where a lot of people become alcoholics because their parents are alcoholics, right? And then I, everything that I'm creating is so that I can spend more time with my family. So it was the exact opposite of what was happening, right? And then obviously I grew up an overweight kid and you know, a lot of people can use that as an excuse for whatever they want, but I use that as fuel to become who I've become today and help people now not be overweight and hopefully change the generational health of their families. Because when you make moms and dads healthy, you make the whole family healthy, right? Yeah. So now I get to, I get to rewrite history, which, which is really important. Everybody's got to realize that they always have the pen and they get to write the next chapter. You don't have to rewrite the past chapter. And here's a crazy thing to think about when we talk about states. 95% of our thoughts are repeats of the past and 80% of our thoughts are negative. So think about the perpetual feedback, negative feedback loop that we're continuously in and, and people repeat the past because they're not intentional about creating the future. So I always say create the future and then become the future. Um, and everybody has the ability to do that. No matter what your past was, you have the ability to create the future if you choose to. Love it. And so you, you brought up a couple of things that you have intentionally made a change in your life because of your past. And I wanted to ask for the people that are, you know, having a family that they're, they have a spouse, they have kids. One of the biggest things most business owners struggle with is that work-life balance. Any tips on that or, or ways to approach balance or ways to think about balance that can help a gym owner? Yeah, I, first I would just I'd throw out the word balance because a lot of people have a perception of what balance is. I would first challenge you to define what is balance look like for you? What do you want your balance to be? Because you know, for you, Dustin, balance may be something different. For me, it might be something different. For somebody on the internet, it might be I only want to work two hours a day. Uh, that might be their balance that, that they're seeking. So you define balance first. So people always struggle because they use vague terms and they don't define what it means. And you'll, you'll never be able to hit something that's vague. So you will always be in a negative state when it comes to the word balance until you actually define it. So for me, it's, it's making time. You're not going to find time. So how much time do you want to spend with your family? For me, it's a couple hours a day. Um, I get to spend time with my son in the morning for 30 to 60 minutes, and that's plenty. And then I get to spend an hour a night with him as well. Like that is that is more than enough that the rest of the time I get to devote to, you know, my health and my business. And I don't feel guilty about that. A lot of people go through life feeling guilty because they're, again, not intentional about creating the boundaries of what does balance actually mean for them and their family. And then for my wife, it's just communicating what she needs. And I always kind of joke and I get some weird looks when I say this is I always say, tell me what you need. I will meet it. I will never exceed it. So whatever you need from me to, you know, feel fulfilled or have enough time, or if you feel like you're not getting enough, just communicate. And I will do that. I'm not a mind reader. When I'm at work, I'm not thinking about my son. I'm not thinking about my wife. I'm not thinking about what do you need uh, for me? But if you tell me what you need for me, I will I will fit it on the calendar. I will fit it on the schedule. I will make it happen. Yes. Right. So a lot of a lot of businesses and a lot of like just think of your I know some people are going to not like this, but think of your marriage as a business 
Think of your family as a business in a way. If you're not communicating and setting proper expectations, then, you know, ultimately people are going to be unhappy. Yes. So set set the proper expectations, communicate what, what you need. A lot of leaders are passive aggressive and they don't communicate what they need. And then they complain when they don't get what they need. Mm-hmm. As like, if you just communicated what you needed, you you would be okay. But you're not because they're not mind readers. Not They're not thinking, hey, what does the boss need for me today? But that's not what they're doing. But it, the, the minute you say, hey, I need X, Y, and Z and I need it by this date, they, they magically do it. But then you get frustrated when they don't, they're not mind readers. So that's the big moral of the story, man, is, is communicate, set proper expectations, and you'll be happy and fulfilled in almost anything you do. I mean, I, I just think that's a solid goal to just tell a business owner to treat, run your family like you run a business because you don't miss meetings. Well, like make your family commitments the same. Like we, you know, routine, everyone loves routine. They love structure. So it's like we go to church at 9 a.m. Just like we have our Monday meeting at 11 a.m. or whatever, you know, it is. You show up when it's on the calendar. And I think that that helps people really to think about it. And, you know, just like a business has core values, your family probably has core values. Have you, you know, written them down? They they exist. You probably just haven't captured them to words. Your standards that you hold in the business, there's probably things you would not let your kids get away with. That's your household standard. So like, there's absolutely, you know, the, those transitions are there. It's just, I think you're given the right framework that helps a business owner say, oh my God, like I've been looking at it all wrong. I totally just got to run my family like a business and they can see that. And that makes it easier for them to see. Right. And I actually first learned that from Dave Ramsey because his wife, his wife's name is Sharon would always like call and want to talk to him or bug him. Right. But then he gave Sharon access to his calendar and she knew when he was available. And then all the the angst and the worry and the frustration that she had was gone because now there was like clear expectations, clear communication, and she knew what he was doing. And, and a lot of people, a lot of, uh, you know, I work with a lot of guys and they, you know, complain that their wives are kind of frustrated with them. And I was like, that's because they don't know what to expect. If, if you're going through life, not knowing what to expect, you'd probably be pretty frustrated too. So just having that structure and knowing what to expect solves so many issues. And when uh, when we have team members that have have babies for the first time, I'm like, you all need to be on the same page with your wife. Like you need to have clear expectations, like even who's getting up with the baby, like whose turn is it? Not when it's five o'clock in the morning, you're both looking at each other tired as heck. And now you're mad and and pissed off. Yes. Uh, So. Everything in life is communication and clear expectations. I love it. I love it. So, Matt, how did you go and first get into the fitness industry? How did you ever, you know, you got a gym membership, but how did you decide this is going to become my career path? Well, it was a long path. So I I became obsessed with fitness. Um, I love shows like The Biggest Loser, uh, Extreme Weight Loss. Uh, I thought it was just like the coolest thing ever to be a personal trainer. And but I didn't think I could make a career out of being a personal trainer. So I actually went to initially went to a university to get a finance degree. And I learned quickly I didn't want to do finance because I, you know, obviously I was like, oh, finance, money, I'm going to make some money. And, and, you know, growing up as somebody that didn't have a lot of money, I thought it would be good to, to make a lot of money. But I quickly learned I didn't want to do that. And I took an exercise. No, it was a um, it was a seminar class for freshmen where you got to explore like your interests. And I found out there's something called exercise science as a degree. 
Uh, so I switched schools and went and got my exercise science degree. But then I thought I actually wanted to work with athletes because that was kind of the cool thing in our industry was strength conditioning, working with athletes. So I started as an assistant strength conditioning coach at our high school, which is just kind of like making it sound cool to get paid nothing to, to go learn and be free labor. And then I went and uh, did my internship at the University of Michigan with the, the football team. And I learned quickly, I did not want to be a strength and conditioning coach. Uh, working with Division One athletes, everyone thinks is like really cool, but it's not. Uh, it's not cool at all, actually. And then I went and got my master's degree. And I still thought I was going to do strength and conditioning a little bit because I didn't think I could make a, you know, a career in personal training. And I started, um, I was a teaching graduate assistant. And then I was a full-time student. And then I was a personal trainer at, at our local gym. And that's kind of how I actually got started in personal training. And towards the end of my uh, getting my graduate degree, I went to my advisor and I said, hey, I think I want to be a personal trainer. And he said, Matt, you're too smart to be a personal trainer. I was like, uh, so I was like, okay, I'm too smart to be a personal trainer. And then I graduated. I was like, okay, what am I going to do? I have a master's degree, $100,000 in student loan debt, and I'm too smart to be a personal trainer. What the what the heck am I going to do? I took a strength conditioning job at my high school, making $1,000 a month. I was working at Home Depot um, to support that. And then uh, a local business wanted to start a personal training business inside of their physical therapy company. So I started with them. They paid me for 10 hours a week, even though there was no clients. Um, and they were doing nothing to grow it. But their idea of helping people was, hey, read this book, which was like, this is good food and this is bad food. Uh, so our philosophies didn't align. And then I, uh, I decided to leave and I partnered up with my local gym, um, powerhouse gym. And the guy was like a nutrition expert. So I was like, all right, we'll pair what I do with what you do. And I'll do the training and work with the clients. And then you do their nutrition. And, you know, that that's what we'll do. And I thought everybody would everyone would flock our doors. I had a master's degree yeah. and I really wanted to help people and no one knew who I was and no one signed up for our services. And I had one client the first month I made $0 uh, and I was working with one client. The gym would collect the money and then pay out 30 days later. So the guy paid, but I got paid out 30 days later. Um, and then I saw online, Hey, you could, you can um, do boot camp classes and work with more people and help more people. So then I started a fat loss boot camp, and we had 14 people. And I just used the the gym's email list. I knew nothing about marketing. Used the gym's email list, and it was an eight week fat loss boot camp. And clients got really good results. And I poured into them, and then it grew, and then it grew, and then we worked up to 60 people before I opened my my first gym. But that's kind of how it all started. Was uh, just a passion for helping people. And just kind of figuring it out as we went and learning the business side and the marketing side. And no matter how good you are, if people don't know you, they can't work with you. And yeah. that was a, that was definitely a big lesson getting started in the fitness industry. And uh, now, as they say, the, the rest is history. Well, I, I think one thing that everybody should take away from that is like, don't look at job as job. Look as a paid internship. Like you were getting paid to learn that I don't want to do strength and conditioning and I don't want to work in a physical therapy clinic. And, you know, this one-on-one -on -one thing didn't pan out and, and then you found what worked, but uh, 
all the while getting paid to kind of find your path. And, and people say, what should I do? What, what career should I get into? So the fastest way to find what you should do is to do a bunch of stuff and to find out you don't want to do it. And if you just start yeah. cutting that list down, like, nope, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. You'll get there. So just speed jobs, speed through, you know, speed date jobs and, and you'll find it. Um, funny, I have a very similar story uh, of just going through, you know, five or six jobs until finally arriving at that. So again, it, it's cool to hear that, you know, there, there was some synergy there. So eventually you went on, you opened your own gym. How did you do it? How did you get the funds? Again, a, a struggling trainer that's already 100K in debt. How the heck did you get the funds to go and open that first gym? Yeah, so the, the first gyms I ever opened were part of a franchise and I had enough for the buy-in, which was 10 grand at the time. Uh, and the reason why I went like the franchise route at first was I just thought I needed I needed help and I needed support. And I the only way I could succeed if if I had had the support, right? Which obviously is just a, you don't need anything to be successful. You need to be resourceful and, and be willing to put in the work. But so uh, did the buy-in. Uh, at that time, like the gym, like the the original model that I was running out of that gym, we were probably making ten grand a month um, as a you know I wasn't paying rent or anything, so uh, I was able to stack cash for the buy-in, but that, that's all the money that I had. And then we started looking for locations, and that was really intimidating because I at the time I'm 26 years old, you know I'm a hundred thousand dollars in student loan uh, student loan debt. And I'm like, who's gonna let me like get a location? Um, but this location did no background check, did nothing. And it's really crazy. Um, every location that I opened afterwards, they wanted like a blood sample for me to be able to go into. But that first location, for whatever reason, they were desperate enough for tenants that they let me come in. It was 1,700 square feet. I opened no interest credit cards. It was 18 month, no interest credit cards. And I maxed them out, but I ran out of money. So I just put everything on the floor, but me and my dad actually built out the location. It was only 1700 square feet. We had to knock out a couple of walls, redo some drywall, and then it was like flooring and, and, and all that stuff. So it wasn't too bad to do. We didn't have to pull any permits. Uh, we got really lucky. So in three weeks, we built out the gym and we had 60 clients from the other location already that, that then came over, which uh, thankfully was enough to basically pay the bills, but it wasn't you know enough to make any profit, but at least the bills were going to be paid, which was nice. And we we grew it. It was funny that the marketing at the time was a cold traffic paid in full offer. So you've never heard of us buyer paid in full for the entire year. And I got one person to buy it and it was the principal of the high school. <laughs> and the paid in full offer was actually more than what my other clients were paying that were grandfathered in at a, at a low rate. So I actually refunded her the price because I didn't feel confident in what we were providing to, to charge her that. Wow. So I actually refunded the one person that bought a membership on our, our grand opening, which was really, really crazy. But after that, it was, it was really learning the game of marketing, right? We, yes. every client that walked through our door, we poured into we gave them everything that we had. And when I say we, I mean me, I did every single job. I did not have an employee when we first opened. Um, but then we learned, I learned the marketing game, started to learn how email marketing worked, learn how to build a list, learn how to follow up with people, learn how to sell over the phone, obviously learn how to sell at the location. And a lot of it though came from word of mouth. We did such a good job with how we treated people and no one was providing what we were providing in the area you know, we were getting a ton of leads every single week 
coming in and we didn't actually have a sign. And this is a cool story about not needing something. We did not have a sign on our location. And we were in an area that people really couldn't find it. So people always said, hey, this is where businesses come to die. And maybe that's why I was able to get in is because they were so desperate and uh, didn't have a sign. And a lot of people were telling me, well, you're not a legitimate business unless you have a sign. So for two years, I never put up a sign. We actually opened our second location with a sign. And I purposely did not invest in putting a sign on my building just to prove that you don't need anything to be successful. And I think that is one of the number one things that holds people back is they think they need something to be successful. That location was 1,700 square feet. I had a block rocker, screamed my head off. And by Wednesday, I couldn't talk anymore. And I had to figure out as I went how to do it. Like there was no blueprint. There was no step-by-step -step directions. There was like no one blazing a path that was that you could go to and be like, oh, that's exactly how you do it. Uh, you had to figure it out. But it all started with the, my purpose was when I opened my gym, when people were ready to change their lives, they would walk through my doors. And then I did everything possible to, to serve our clients and help our clients. And then I started learning the skills and eventually making that transition to becoming the CEO. I love it, dude. What an inspiring story. So again, I'm sure a lot of gym owners can relate with that, like back against the wall. But I think sadly, somewhere along the way, I don't know if it's just the day-to-day -day grind around the business. They lose that hunger. Like everyone's got that hunger for the grand opening campaign. You know, like I got to make this work. I got to make enough. And like people get, it's interesting. It's like you get to a point where you just make enough to cover your bills and then the you get complacent. You know, the hunger gets turned down. And there's some owners that just keep on going and going and going. But there's a lot of people that get stuck there. So like, how do you turn that back on? Like, how do you, how do people find that and get that? drive going again because i know that that's what holds a lot of people back from going to the next level again you got to find a purpose that's that's beyond you and beyond just being comfortable with with making a living there's a lot of people that you know we're trained to just be comfortable with making a living and if we can pay our bills then we're good um a big thing to do though is get around people that are doing bigger things than you that is the fastest way to influence your state is get around people doing more than you and and seeing what's possible I don't know about you when you first started, but it was like, I didn't know what was possible. And the kind of the cool part is now I'm a big influencer and a lot of people are showing them what is possible. And I know you are too. It's like, now I can see what's possible. There's a lot of people that have come to my domination workshop and they're like, dude, if I didn't come to your domination workshop, when I first opened my business, I wouldn't be where I'm at. We had one person that his goal was he wanted a $20,000 location and he thought he would be balling out. Like I have an email of him thanking me for the, the impact that I've had on his life. And then he's like, then I saw your locations doing four to five times more than what I thought was good. And it really opened my eye to what's possible. And now that guy has 800 members in, in a million dollar gym, but it all started with him seeing what is actually possible. So I actually think one of the biggest things that I did, I started going to conferences and getting around successful people and investing and getting around people that are doing what I want to do. And it just changes your identity and starts, and uh, my lad talks about your identity is like a thermostat. And when you get around people with higher levels of identity, it increases that thermostat of success inside of your life. So that that's been absolutely critical. And, and, you know, one of the best things I did too, was I invested in mentors that again, are doing what I want to do. And 
one of the best things that mentors do, though, is they influence your thoughts, your, your beliefs and your feelings about yourself and what is possible, which then makes you take actions that you never thought were possible. You have the courage to do bigger things because you see other people doing bigger things. And it's not so scary. You get around some successful people and you're like, how the hell is that dude so successful? Like, there's nothing special about them. What's usually special about them is they're resourceful and they're they're courageous and they're willing to t- to take action. Like that, that's a massive separator, you know. All right. Well, I want to definitely go back to you know just pulling some wisdom out of that first location. That was great that you really pointed out. You don't need a sign. You just gotta have that hustle muscle. Like you know, you gotta have that drive. But is there anything else you would tell your old self that you know you would that you should do to just have a more successful first location and maybe speed up how quickly you got to number two or to make it a bigger, more successful location, number one? I think the well, maybe two things. So one would just be all in on member experience. Like I did that, but like if I could go back and really like do that again, there's so many things that I would do from a member experience, but realizing your reputation is how you treat that those OG clients. You treat those OG clients like they're the most irreplaceable and the most important people in the entire world. They will help you grow your business. So that would be that would be number one. And then when I started hiring people, having higher standards and and clear expectations like there was no standard. It was like, I'm going to work really hard and I hope you you work hard, too. Right. That was like the pretty much it. So I was able to influence how hard people work by me working hard. But man, there was no standards. There was no KPIs. There was no roles and responsibilities. There was no, this is how we run a session uh, down to the every aspect of it, right? There was no, this is the experience that we want to provide before the session, during the session, after the session. Uh, and just having set clear expectations, I didn't have, I wish I could, but you can't go back, but th- those would be the, the biggest things when I when I first got started. I mean, I'm sure we've all been there. I, I hired one of my first coaches, walked in asking for a job. We did not post anywhere we're hiring. And I said yes, because he seemed like a nice guy. And so it's like terrible. But those are the things that, you know, those mistakes is what ends up making you better in the long haul. So now we're going to fast forward to where you are today. Yes, you're the CEO, multiple locations, multiple businesses. So what is the hardest thing that for you that you've seen from your evolution of being a trainer to now being the CEO of multiple locations, multiple businesses? What is the most difficult thing at the CEO level? The hardest thing, especially when you start as as a trainer or coach and you're doing all the things is giving up control. And a lot of that is because you think that no one can do as good of a job as you, which, you know, ultimately, if it's there's some aspects that you're always going to do the best job. But the issue is when you start having a lot of things going on, your ability to stay consistent with those things becomes less and less and less because you have a lot of things vying for your your time and your energy. And so if they do it at 80% of you, but they are 100% consistent. So let's just say you're 100%, but you're 25% consistent, right? They're going to get way better results and consistency inside of your business. I remember at first, dude, like I started offloading some of the administrative tasks. That was the first thing that I gave up was we would do one-on-one consultations and we would do a free week. And when they'd come in, they'd fill out a park queue. And then what I ended up doing was like for 10 hours a week, I would I would take the person on our team. She would come in and work out at 7.30 in the morning. She would grab the park queue and they would book for 
for the appointment. And then when I closed them, because I pretty much closed every single person, she would then put it into the, the CRM. And that took care of a lot of stuff. I was being inconsistent with following up with leads, which you can imagine being inconsistent with following up with those leads coming in is bad because that is actually setting sales appointments. And if you're not doing sales appointments then you're not closing memberships and then your business isn't going to grow um, because I hated doing it. But the minute that I offloaded that, dude, like the consistency of sales appointments and growth were through the roof, but I had to give up control in order to do that. Uh, for a while, I didn't want to give up the phone or the email. So if you called, it didn't matter what time you were calling, you got me. <laughs> if you emailed, you got me, right? And it took me a long time to, to give it up. So that same person, I ended up you know, giving up the phone and all that. We actually started getting more trials through the door because there's better and more consistent lead follow-up going on uh, inside of our business. And then that freed me up to focus on running the sessions and that focused me on selling programs and selling memberships and doing the stuff that the direct work that that grows the gym um which was really really important but i had to give up control if you want to grow you got to give up control you can't have growth and control at the same time there is going to be a level of having to give up control and my personality type is i seek control in everything that i do i want to try to control everything that that happens but my growth happened when I started letting go of control and started putting people in places to do the things that I'm not good at, not consistent at, that robbed me of energy. And then that allowed me to focus on my strengths, which when I'm focusing on my strengths, the business grows. I love it. Very, very wise words. And I was going to dive into that next. Like today, that was us looking back at you, location one, your strengths and you know areas of improvement. But today, what would you say is your greatest strength as a leader? And then what are things you're trying to work on now? Yeah, my greatest strengths, like vision. Um, I definitely believe I'm a visionary and kind of see it out into the future. And, and I'm pretty good at connecting dots, how everything, you know, works together. Yes. Um, but the things that I feel like I do a really good job at, but also energize me and I like doing is I like educating and I like training. I enjoy motivating and challenging my team to provide the very best. And for me, though, that's a balance, right? Like I can challenge my team, but I can sometimes do it in a way that's demotivating or puts people in a, a negative state. So being very careful of how I'm challenging my team, how I'm pushing my team, the words that I'm using um, and really understanding my audience is, is really important. But when I'm when I'm doing those things for my team, one, I'm in a good mental state and then two. I'm putting my team in a good mental state to then go deliver an amazing product. The other things that um, I'm a little, I'm good at doing, um, sometimes I need to do a better job of acting on, on it is I'm a good reader of my team states. I, I know where they're at. Like if we're running a challenge, I know when their states start to dip, when they need that push, when they need that energy, when they need that reminder of our purpose and the impact that we're having on clients' lives. Um, and, and just making the time to then do what's required to go in and influence their states. Because if you let your team's states get too low, it's really hard to bring them back up. What I suck at doing, I'm a terrible manager, like day-to-day -day operations manager of uh, the business and also of people I'm not good at. So basically, it's just pretty much well known that I don't manage anybody and, and pretty much no one's a direct report to Matt uh, because I will not do a good job of, of managing you. Uh, because I'm just not consistent um, with day-to-day -day stuff. Uh, when I'm getting pulled in a thousand different directions, when we're launching a new initiative, 
I um, definitely love the new things and the the things that are going to take us to the next level. Those energize me. Um, the Groundhog's Day activities aren't good, but that's why I'm not a good manager. The best managers do to have the ability to be consistent every single day, drive a result, be able to manage team states, uh, and, and really build relationships with team members, which those are all things that I'm not great at doing. But when I'm doing those things, then that means I'm not doing the strength stuff that really is required to take our business to, to the next level. What I have found though, regardless of where you're at, if you set clear expectations with your team on the front end of what they can expect from you as their leader, a lot of the negatives, you may be saying, well, okay, Matt's not really good at day-to-day -day or building relationships. And isn't that the foundation of leadership? Uh, it doesn't have to be. Uh, I think it's the foundation of the manager. The manager, for sure, day-to-day -day has to do those things. But if your team expects you to be doing those things and then you're not, you're going to lose and they're going to be in negative states. And uh, they get to have their thoughts, their feelings, their beliefs about you as their leader versus on day one, what we do is an onboarding day, I let them know what to expect from me as their leader and how I show care and concern for them, which is being able to create opportunities for them. And that I'm not going to be their best friend. I'm not going to be there every day. I'm not going to be taking them out to coffee, but that doesn't mean I don't care. And this is how I show you I care, right? Um, so I influence their thoughts, their beliefs, and their feelings about me on day one and what they can expect from me. And then I'm able to meet those expectations. And now their states about me are a lot different versus if I let them set the expectations of me, then I'm never going to be able to meet them. And then we're going to have issues inside of our business. I love it. Very, very good, good way of thinking that a lot of times gym owners can show amazing customer service to their clients and be professional and be on time and not, you know, control your emotions from getting out of control because you're with a customer, but then you can turn and be really problem focused with your team. You know, we're getting this wrong. You guys are, you know, you didn't hit this KPI. This is messed up. And so I really say, hey, to, to lead with that customer service mindset to your team, a team service, right? You know, like, are you nice and polite to them? Do you use your pleases and thank yous? Do you point out their wins as much as, you know, if there was something missed, like there has to still be that customer service. It never gets turned off. And I even yeah. say, when you go home, you got to show customer service to your family, right? Because like, they don't want to get the worst version of you. So you need to be smile, peppy daddy. What's up? You know, I'm not going to bother you with everything that happened at work. What's up, kids? Let's play. And so it never turns off. Like literally, uh, you have to just always have that that you know mindset uh, for your team. That's that's all intentional state management, right? Being able to go into interactions and go, okay, what what state do I need to be in, or what state do I want to create in others? Um, but a lot of us go through life unconsciously, right? And again, if we go through life unconsciously, ninety five percent of our thoughts are repeats of the past. Eighty percent are negative. So our unconscious state is a negative state. Uh, so in order for us to have a positive state and then have a positive influence on other people's states, we have to be intentional about creating the states that we want to be in, which is hard to do. But having a great life is also like that's the requirement. Yep. Well, I want to bring up since we're talking about, you know, giving, uh, you know, feedback to people. Your personal pet peeves when it comes to business, it, it could be fitness. It could be just general but anything that bothers you that drives you crazy in business. We kind of hit it at the beginning, but for the longest time, uh, there was a there was a rush into the boutique fitness uh, side of things. Everybody and their brother was investing in their franchises. And what was happening was it wasn't 
personal trainers. It wasn't people that were passionate about this industry. It wasn't passionate people passionate about changing people's lives that were even equipped to be able to do it. It was a bunch of investor money that they just saw it as an opportunity. And uh, the way that they run their business, the way that they treat their team, they don't grow and develop their team. They don't provide a great product to, to their clients and they don't care. And everything's transactional. It's about the business making money. It's not about a win, win, win. It's not a win for the business. It's not a win for the team. It's not a win for the clients. So people with the wrong intentions uh, in this industry absolutely piss me off. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they just need to leave. Um, and the cool part, here, here's the cool part of all of that, uh, whether you believe it's cool or not, uh, but people that are investors, they focus their time on energy on things that make them money. Most likely, if you're an investor coming into the fitness industry and your business probably isn't doing what you thought it was going to do because you're not providing the service that you need to provide to to your clients, your business is probably not doing well or it's probably not making a lot of money. So you're not investing your time, energy and effort into into your business. You're focusing on other things, which is going to make them go out of business even faster. So Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of people uh, that has been dealing with a lot of competition, in this space, the competition is going to get less and less and less. And, and the people that you're competing against are going to get more tired and more tired and more tired and less focused and focusing on other things that make them money. So just hang in there is the what I'm trying to say. Things will get better. It won't be as bloody of an ocean here in the next one to two years. So part of winning sometimes is just surviving when it does get a little bit bloody and being able to, to take those blows. Uh, the other thing that really uh, makes me mad is a lot of people that I've worked with in the past, especially in the franchise space, but I want what you have. Like, what are your systems? What are your processes? What are your nutrition stuff? How do you run your challenges? How do you provide the product? Like, give it to them, paint by numbers. Like, well, this is really hard. This is a lot of work. And no kidding. This is why we get the results. This is why we've had the success that we have, because we're willing to do the work that most people aren't willing to do. If you want to have a life that most people don't have, you got to be willing to do what most people don't do. That's just the moral of the story. So when when I do work with people and you do go to help them, they want to, what's an easier way to still get the result that you have? And uh, a lot of people really hang their head on efficiency, but I really think most efficiency is laziness because you're not looking at what's the outcome and the feeling that you're trying to produce. You're just going, how do I quickly do this task? But then you're frustrated and mad when you don't get the results. That's just not how life works. So obviously sometimes we do things harder than, than it needs to be, right? But ultimately, if you want to be able to produce great outcomes and great feelings, it is going to take a lot of work and it's going to be taking a lot of intentionality and a lot of energy. But the gym owners got to swallow uh, the pill of their own advice because I think that's exactly what they would tell a fat loss client when they're like, but I ordered the detox tea and it didn't work. And I ordered the shake weight and it didn't work. And it's like, well, dummy, you're trying to find a shortcut. There is no shortcuts. You just got to do this. And I know it's hard. Well, sometimes a gym owner can say that those same type of excuses of why their business isn't growing. So yeah, definitely got to eat your own advice. I love that analogy. I am stealing that. I love that. So, so Matt, where are you going, man? What did you talked about being a visionary? I think again, you're really good at getting people excited about the, what is possible in our in our business in our industry. Where are you going? Where are you taking your business? How are you going to help the world? Yeah. So our BHAG, 
so we do the EOS system. And one of the things that they talk about is having a, a BHAG. So like, what does it look like when it's done? What's the, the big end goal? So our big end goal is everything that we do for, from our gyms to our online nutrition uh, is to help clients lose 10 million pounds a year, which when you first hear that, you're like, oh my God, that that's, that's insane. But I'll, I'll break that down a little bit. And then we want every single team member on a path to financial freedom. So when we talk about creating opportunities for a team, uh, a big part of what we'll be doing for future future gyms and future real estate that we'll be doing is, is being able to create funds that our team can invest in that normally you have to be an accredited investor to be able to do that. But if you look at how wealth is created in our country, anyone who's ever wealthy was either a trust fund baby or they started a business or they invested in real estate. That's pretty much uh, where the wealth is created inside of our country. Um, so being able to give them a vehicle to be able to do that. And then our gyms in the future will be owner operated as well. So being able to have the opportunity uh, to actually own a gym is how we're going to be growing. So that that's kind of the the overarching thing. But the, the other ways that we're going to do that is we're going to be launching. So our nutrition system has helped our clients and other gyms clients lose over a million pounds. And we kind of shelved it for a while. Uh, and now we're bringing it back. We've like totally revamped it to make the resources as plug and play as humanly possible. So we're going direct to consumer here starting in a month. Um, and then phase two will actually be helping gym owners utilize our proprietary nutrition system inside of their gyms. So by our gyms, plus us going direct to consumer and then helping gyms help their clients, that's how we're going to get to, to 10 million pounds a year. And then in 2024, we're launching a personal training school. Uh, so we're going to go direct competition with the universities. Universities, you know, I won $100,000 in student loan debt and had barely any skills to be a personal trainer. The majority of skills that I learned as a personal trainer uh, were, were hands-on experience and investing. Uh, I've probably invested over $250,000 in my education after school uh, to gain the skills and the knowledge that I have. So we're going to start a school. It's going to be a one-year school for personal trainers that by the time they graduate, they'll be in the top 5% of personal trainers across the country. And then, you know, every gym in the country will want to employ them because of the skills that they're going to have. Our goal though is obviously we employ them and then eventually um, be able to groom them to be able to own their own gym and, and continue to grow our mission. Um, and then be able to actually teach them uh, financial education from when they're 18, 19, 20 years old, not before they're hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loan debt or credit card debt and have no idea how to be financially free. And I really believe there's two two gifts in the world. One is your health. Uh, health is the greatest gift you can ever give somebody. When you have health, you have hope. And when you have hope, you can accomplish anything you want in life. Uh, when you don't have hope, uh, you know, obviously it's really hard to accomplish anything. So uh, the second greatest thing is financial freedom. So being able to, to not only provide health, but also provide financial freedom for everybody that is inside of our network uh, is a big goal. So that's kind of the, the future. And then the last part of that is we have a nonprofit uh, called The Big Give. Uh, last year, we raised 280000 and we helped, I think it was 1,158 kids have Christmas right here in West Michigan. But our our big goal is that one day, no kid in West Michigan will go without when it comes to Christmas. Um, and I, I want my businesses to be able to fund that without donations. So that means we've got to help a lot of people to be able to do that. So that's the kind of the goal in the next five years is every kid in West Michigan is able to have Christmas and it's majority funded from, from our businesses. Fantastic. 
Matt, you are such an inspiration, dude. Again, thank you for everything you do for your team, for your clients, for our industry. You really inspire people, I think, to think bigger, to, to dream bigger, and to take bigger action. So thank you for doing all the work you do, man. It's, it's really powerful stuff, and it's very inspiring. So I appreciate you. How can people follow you, whatever they want to see, what you got going on next, and you know, possibly even work with you? Yeah, the, the best place to find me is on Instagram. That's where I'm most active. If you ever shoot me a message, uh, I'll probably answer it on Instagram. If you shoot me a message on any of my business pages, I probably won't respond. Uh, but you can find me at I am Matt Wilbur on Instagram. Um, I post uh, daily content around mindset and leadership because that's the most important thing. Uh, so if you need some positive influences on your mental state almost on a daily basis, uh, follow me there. And then coaching, the only coaching I'll be doing is inside of this mentorship. So if you want to, to be able to work with me or work with Dustin, uh, be able to, to go there and learn more about the mentorship so that we can influence you and influence your identity and raise that thermostat so that you can have a bigger impact on people's lives. And that's it. That's the, that's where you can find me. Okay. So guys, that website is yourfitnessempire.com. If you're interested, like Matt said, you, you want to go and follow him on Instagram, see what he's doing there. We hope you guys enjoyed this uh, deep dive into, uh, into Matt's life. And uh, if you didn't catch it just the episode before this, he did the same with me. Um, but moving forward, we're going to definitely be stepping into giving you guys more practical strategies and tips to help you grow your business. Thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you next week. Hey guys, before we let you go, I want to share with you the details about the Fitness Empire Mentorship. We are now enrolling for it. And this is something that me and Matt have come together because we are wanting to help the fitness industry, the industry that has given us so much, we want to give back. All right. And that's why we're making this a very, very low price so that all gym owners are not priced out and everybody can enjoy this coaching and mentorship experience. So it's only $10 a day, if you can believe it, to join this mentorship program. So if you guys go to yourfitnessempire.com, sign up, what we are here and on a mission to do is to help you to impact lives. Yes, there will be business talk, marketing and sales and leadership and team recruitment. But at the end of the day, we're really going to be looking at clients getting results and client experience. That is the big thing that we want to help you solve. And it starts with you. And it goes to your team and it goes to all the systems that you guys use day to day. And we're going to deep dive into all of this stuff in the mentorship. So if that sounds like something you want some help with, again, go to yourfitnessempire.com. We'll see you in the mentorship.